Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bowe, and myself continue our discussion on the Fourth Commandment. Welcome to Being Lutheran Podcast. Today I am joined by Pastor Jason Goodham. Good to see you, Brett. And we have something very special to announce because you and I are joined by... Pastor Brian Rickey. Yeah. <laughs> We've been, uh, for those of you who don't know, we have now been trying for 21 episodes to get <laughs> Brian on this program with us. And the discussion of the commandments was too much for him to resist. And so we finally prevailed upon him to join us. I just think there's a lot to say about, and we're gonna, you guys are going to talk about this, but I do think there's a lot to say is how do I as a child honor my parents when they're bad parents. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's a lot of people who don't really even know how to start there. I know that several people that I've ministered with have asked me that. How how do I relate to someone that's in this situation? Because I grew up in a family that was godly. I grew up in a family where I had biblical parents that were committed to Christ and committed to each other to be stay married for life. And I think that it is hard to to resonate with that if Mm -hmm. you've never been there. Yeah. Yeah, so we're looking forward to hearing what you have to share, Brian. I I know a lot of times when we've recorded our previous episodes, you've mentioned a a comment after we record, and we say, oh, that would have been great to have had in the podcast. So I'll look forward to hearing more from you here in a moment. I'm here to to make Jason look better because I'm the unwilling curmudgeon in, in this three. <laughs> then I won't, ha- I won't have a vocation after that if you take the curmudgeon away from me, right? <laughs> All right. Just call me Puddle Glum. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, let's, let's jump into this episode here. Um, we were thinking and reflecting after recording the last episode that, you know, in talking about the commandments, and maybe this is just natural, it, the tendency is to talk about a lot of law and to have a lot of practical application, which is not bad. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that we also need to hear the gospel. And so, Jason, what, how can, uh, what's the gospel for us in light of all these commandments and, and applications? Well, yeah, it's, you know, again, in, when we're introducing such a big concept as this, again, we're, we've introduced an entire branch of theology with vocation. We've introduced the second table of the law here with the fourth commandment. We were just kind of bouncing all over. Right. You know, our episode last uh time around kind of resembled one of those brainstorming maps where it's just kind of random hits here and there. And, and, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, but we want to bring it into focus. And so often when we talk about the law, mm-hmm. our response to the law is, well, that's fine, but Jesus died for you anyway. And that's not how the gospel relates to the law. Well, remember one of the functions of the law is that it prepares us for the Savior, that it causes us to reflect on ourselves, Mm -hmm. to drive us away from our own ability to please God and to drive us to him because of our need for mercy, because of our need for a Savior. And so when we're talking about the law, the place where we interact with the gospel is to bring Jesus into the equation. And so especially now, as we're talking about the fourth commandment, as we're talking about being a worthy parent, an honorable parent, or being an obedient child, Mm -hmm. we realize that Jesus is this for us. This Mm -hmm. is what we call in theology his active obedience, that Jesus fulfilled the law for us to the fullest extent of the law and in every area of the law. We see this in the Gospels as Jesus was an obedient and submissive child to his parents. Uh, Right after the story 
of Jesus in the temple uh, with the, where he was questioning uh, the leaders, uh, you have this that Jesus returned home with his parents and he submitted to them. He mm-hmm. was an obedient child. Uh, Jesus was an obedient child to his father, that uh, his heavenly father, that everything he did was according to God's plan. And we see that, uh, especially thinking of Holy Week in the Garden of Gethsemane, not as I will, but your will be done. And mm-hmm. so Jesus is doing that. Uh, Jesus is also bringing to us the picture of God as the perfect father. And, mm-hmm. and that's a comfort uh, when our relationship with our parents has broken down. But when we feel convicted when we feel oppressed by the law, by showing us all these ways where we failed to obey the commandment, that is where the gospel comes in. And Jesus has done this for you. Then he has taken your place on the cross. He has shed his blood in your place and his righteousness, his perfect obedience. Uh, and if we're just going to distill it down to the fourth commandment, his perfect childlikeness, his mm-hmm. perfect childhood is now counted as your perfect childhood. And so uh, when this breaks down, the call of scripture is to turn your eyes to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Amen. And that is, that's so good to hear, that healing balm of the good news of, of Christ for us. Um, and I would maybe add to that, too, that even after that or in the midst of that, too, that God is at work in us to bless our neighbor in our vocations. Yeah, even yeah, as, as a child, even in our imperfections, God is blessing our neighbor through our vocation as a child or through our vocation as a parent. Uh, even when we do a miserable job at it, mm-hmm. he's still serving through us. This is one of the things we didn't get to touch on again because it's such a big idea and you get me going at a mile a minute when I'm talking about vocation anyway. But the idea of vocation, according to Luther, is that we are the masks of God, mm-hmm. that God hides himself behind us to serve the neighbors. So vocation really, in one aspect, is how is God providing daily bread according to the fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer? Give us this day our daily bread. God is providing that daily bread as Mm -hmm. he works through us to serve our neighbor. And as you apply the gospel, especially to someone that's from a Mm -hmm. broken home, from Mm -hmm. a child who's trying to figure out how to do this with a broken home, bad parents or whatever, that gospel needs to apply it over and over and over again. Just as much as we need to hear the gospel over and over and over again to continue to return to Christ, return mm-hmm. to the cross, return to the resurrection. Um, a lot of times I think we th- we think of these things as like a prescription. Oh, take two aspirin and yeah. call me in the morning and you'll be fine. This is a process. Mm-hmm. If someone comes from a broken home, this gospel needs to be applied over and over again. We need to be, as James says, you know, slow to speak, quick to listen. Mm-hmm. We need to be good listeners. I think about Job. You know, his friends were great friends when they kept their mouth shut. You know, we, we aren't <laughs> yeah. there to fix everybody. Yes, we're there to help someone through this. And there's going to be a point where where we do offer solutions to apply the gospel, to move past it, to to put off the old self, to put on the new self and the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. But man, that gospel needs to be applied over and over and over again. Amen. And yeah. I, I think what you're getting after here is we see in this interaction with the law now, two of the most egregious corruptions of the gospel. The first is this, the law doesn't matter because, ah, shucks, God forgives me anyway, mm-hmm. which isn't the message of the gospel. That's not what we're saying at all. The second is, is we kind of will fall into this lie, into this self-deception that the gospel is a second chance to get things right Mm -hmm. and say, okay, I screwed it up. God says, I forgive that screw up. Now go out and get it right again. No, it's a continual 
applying of the forgiveness of mm-hmm. sins. And that is where and how the Christian life is lived out on a daily basis. And, and yeah. you know what? That's not easy. Yeah. And it is self-sacrificing. And that's where our, our selfishness gets in the way. We have to love in a covenant love with a sacrificial love, bearing one another's burdens, fulfilling the law of Christ mm-hmm. as loving each other as neighbors and, and even as parents and authority figures. But, but walking with someone through this isn't just a, a one-time deal. Yeah. Um, it does take a selfless, sacrificial love. It takes the love of Christ flowing in and through us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I think that's a good segue into uh, talking about this idea of well, well, what happens when this all breaks down? When either you're a child and your parents aren't following through with that, or they are sinning in an egregious way, or, or vice versa. Maybe the children are are sinning or or not obeying their parents, mm-hmm. uh, and the parents are trying hard to uh, fulfill their vocation. So, Brian, do you have? Comments or thoughts on that? Well, as I, I serve a Hope Lutheran Church in North Minneapolis, we have a Wednesday night where a lot of kids come in from the area neighborhood, and we're experiencing a lot of kids from broken homes and from dysfunction. Now, as I ab- share a little bit of about myself personally, I, I don't want to dishonor my parents. I love them. Uh, they are redeemed in Christ Jesus, and in a lot of ways, they are not the parents that I grew up with because of what Christ has done. Uh, both of my parents have returned to the faith of their baptism, and they are wonderfully um, growing in Christ Jesus. But because both of my parents came from massively dysfunctional and somewhat abusive homes, as much as they wanted to stop that chain of abuse, uh, you can't without Christ. And and it's hard to break those those chains, and we can talk about curses and whatever, but I don't want to get off topic. But the, the bottom line is is that abuse is learned and taught. These dysfunctions are learned and taught, even whether it's unintentional or it's intentional. And Mm -hmm. so in a sense, I remember sitting in the pew, you know, especially after my dad just really emotionally and physically abused me. As the pastor was talking about a loving Heavenly Father, I sat there and thought to myself, how can I understand that when I'm in this situation? Um, and, And that's what we as a church have to come alongside of. And and I'm not saying that we need to be marriage counselors for, for, for everybody, but there is an aspect to the church where if we're walking in this bearing one another's burdens, mm-hmm. we have to take that responsibility or either send them to someone who can help them that's professionally licensed as like a Christian marriage counselor, or we come alongside these children that are from broken homes and as much as we can love on them and show them and point them toward a perfect heavenly father. Because I think a lot of times we take human characteristics and we place them on God. You know, and I think that we like, well, because my dad was this way or because my mom was this way or because my authority figure was this way, well, God's got to be the same way. And that's not fair because if someone comes and gets to know me and because maybe they heard a false rumor about me, they make an assumption about me saying, well, he's judgmental, he's arrogant, he's this, but they've never met me. They've never taken the time to get to know me. They're assuming something that's not the truth. And in so many times we do that with God. 
We don't take him for who he is. We don't go to his holy word and see that he is the perfect heavenly father, mm-hmm. that he is not a man that he should lie, that he keeps his promises, that he is faithful, and that he, he gave the greatest sacrifice so that we could be with him forever. Mm-hmm. And even on top of that, knowing that in multiple places, Scripture points out that even when God disciplines, when God punishes, he's doing so out of love. It, yeah. That God doesn't struggle this, with this thing that we as parents occasionally struggle from where we punish out of anger, mm-hmm. where we discipline out of a reaction to disobedience, mm-hmm. where, where God, uh, his discipline is always designed to bring about repentance because his proper work, the, the character of God is to have mercy, to show kindness. And it's his alien work where he judges and he punishes. But God wills that all men be saved and come to knowledge of truth. God does not delight in the death of a wicked, of a wicked man. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is where we as pastors, especially, and for all Christians listening to this have the opportunity to abl- apply the gospel to brokenness mm-hmm. and to, to provide hope, saying your human relationships may have broken down. You may have been broken because of someone else doing something to you in life, or you may be broken because you're coming to a realization that you're that guy. You're that woman who has either been abusive or has been rebellious to your parents. Uh, the call is to look to Jesus, to return to God where you will find mercy and forgiveness. And then we remember as Christians in the faith, we are called to be ministers of reconciliation, to be appliers of the gospel uh, in that way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Brian, was there a a moment or was there a, a certain thing that was helpful to you in seeing that your earthly father didn't match up with your heavenly father? Was there... A certain another third party individual that yeah so you know as I graduated high school and then went off on my rebellious pursuit of trying to be a rock star playing in bands and <laughs> stuff like that um, I remember um, there was a particular individual it's a long story but I want I don't want to take up too much time but this uh, band who asked me to fill in it was a, it was a Christian contemporary band and as they asked me to play drums for them and I wasn't a believer and they knew that. They, they, they brought me in and they showed me the love of Christ and they would bring me to church and they would show me this mm-hmm. love. In a sense, they were proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ with and without words. And it was a really powerful thing. And so they would say, well, this really isn't glorifying to God, this lifestyle that you're living, you know, but we're going to love you and we're, we want you to come to church and we still want you to be a part of this. And they set boundaries for me, you know, because oftentimes, in all honesty, I'd be drunk at practice. You know, and so I'd come to practice and I'd be totally wasted. And they're like, you know, could you please not do this in honoring of what the songs are talking about? And I'm like, well, sure. And they asked me in such a polite way that I wanted to honor that. So I know that's kind of crazy. I even the first time I met my wife, Connie, I was drunk. You know, and so it's so interesting that all of that played out and how as they showed me the love of Christ. And this was a, a two and a half year process that these men walked through this with me. And one day, because of the grace they showed me in God's mercy and God's grace, as the proclamation of the gospel went forth in a church service, something broke. Mm-hmm. And God got a hold of my heart. And uh, he revived the faith of my baptism. Mm-hmm. And in a sense, it, it was it was like uh, something wonderful 
uh, had just exploded in my heart, and I can't explain it. Mm-hmm. I know not everybody has that experience, sure. and I still say the best testimony is where you can't remember a time you didn't know Christ, that you continued in the faith of your baptism all the days of your life. That yeah. is the greatest testimony, and I would never want anyone to walk through what I walked through, but I am so thankful for the mercy of God. And through that, it was kind of like dropping a rock in, in, in a still pond. The waves of, of that revival in my heart really affected my parents and their walk with Christ and how that just really began almost ripples through my entire family, through many of my cousins, and hearing that I had really just, you know, returned to the faith of my baptism mm-hmm. and took um, the the power of the Holy Spirit and allowed God's grace uh, to change me and transform me, you know, solely one by one degree to another into the person that God wanted me to be. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't a quick process, but it was the grace and the willingness of people to walk through that process with me. And that's discipleship. It's not a formula. It's an organic life lived together in the presence of God's transforming holiness through the power of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, amen. Thanks for sharing that. And, you know, I think your story illustrates well the idea of what we're called to do as parents and what we're called to do as children and how that there's a cycle there of when there's obedience, there's honor, honor and obedience, you know, back and forth. And so let's talk about honor here, Jason, as it relates to this commandment. Yeah, it's, this is, again, I think we Americans really struggle with this concept because of the, the extreme individuality of our identities in America. And, and so often when we hear, uh, that we ought to be treating someone with honor, we come from the perspective when they show themselves honorable, then I will treat them with honor. Mm -hmm. And that is the exact inverse of what this commandment is saying. Mm -hmm. uh, Because we honor, because God has told us to honor, again, because of the position. I've been thinking about how best to illustrate this. And and, uh, if you've ever been in a courtroom or or seen a courtroom proceeding or at least watched a movie with a courtroom, whatever it might be, when the judge enters the room, what happens? You stand, and then the bailiff or or whatever his title is says the honorable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Way to just completely destroy the analogy. No, No, I'm saying even if yeah, 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 right. Yeah, just the honorable so and so. You know, please rise, and you are honoring that position. That judge has an honorable position in society. He has been called to apply the law, interpret the law, and then, you know, uphold the law, you know, those kind of things. And so we are, we don't know a single thing about that judge's character. Mm -hmm. You know, Judge Frank Smith might be, you know, not to co-op Brian's testimony, he might be a drug, a a, a druggie, he might be a drunk, he he might be an abusive father, Mm -hmm. but when he's in that room, as judge, he is honorable, according to our constitution, whatever, you you know, Mm -hmm. our American practices, the honor of position. This is what God's getting after when he says, honor our father and mother. And I think when we do that, we end up placing ourselves first. We we walk in a selfishness, that sinful nature that we have. And think about Philippians chapter 2, where Paul's like, complete my joy of being of the same mind, having the same love, being of full accord and of one mind, do nothing 
from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. And that's, you know, that's honoring people mm-hmm. and honoring offices that God has, in a sense, ordained, whether we've asked for a bad person in office or not because mm-hmm. of the, the sin of our nation or whatever. But that honor is still there, and that is honoring Christ in walking in the selflessness that Jesus walked in in his incarnation as we apply the gospel to our lives. Yeah, it's, again, that selfless life lived out. And then, uh, you know, we've been mostly talking about the perspective of the fourth commandment as parents. Mm -hmm. And that's because for the three of us, that's our current vocation. It's much easier for us to understand, interpret, and interact with this commandment. But on the one hand, as children, we honor but the call for us now as parents is to, in light of that, be honorable. It's mm-hmm. a call mm-hmm. to not exasperate our children, as Scripture says, but to train them in the faith. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you know, in every area of the law, when something is laid out for us to do, we immediately come face to face with an invitation for self-examination. Yeah, I was just going to say, I, I'm sitting here thinking, oh boy, you know, I failed in this way or that way as both a parent and as a child. And that that's the law doing its work in your life. Right. The, the, the law functions in this way. Self-examination, I have failed, then the law gives way to repentance. Mm-hmm. You say, Lord, have mercy. Forgive me for my sins. When we repent, we always are forgiven. We are mm-hmm. always given grace and mercy. We are always restored and reconciled. And so this is the law and the gospel functioning in tandem for the Christian life. So when we see the law, the temptation is, oh, that person mm-hmm. uh, is breaking the law. We, we as parents, you child are not honoring me. You know, yeah, we want right. to do that. And Part of our responsibility as parents is to teach that. Sure. Uh, but, you know, going out of that, it's not well, I, father, am not an honorable father. I have been selfish as a father. I've put my own needs in front of my children's needs. An example recent in my life, I go home, I want to rest and have quiet time, and I get home, my five kids want to jump all over me like I'm some kind of jungle gym equipment, Mm -hmm. and I ought to be loving them. And, you know, there are times for me to say, you know, you know, don't jump on daddy, give me some space and then we'll play. But it's those type of situations where I'm to be doing the self-examination, not the accusing because the law is the one doing the accusing. Mm -hmm. And then we walk in that there is therefore now no condemnation. God's mercies Mm -hmm. are new every morning because if we stay in guilt and shame, in a sense, we're sinning by adding self-pity to the whole situation. God has given us everything we need to be transformed through the power of Christ's righteousness. If we don't utilize that, in a sense, we're doing a great disservice to the great sacrifice of Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the law always accuses, but in Christ, the law no longer condemns. Yeah, amen. Mm-hmm. Praise God. And maybe that's a good spot to end this episode. Um, any closing thoughts, guys? The only thing I would say is that, you know, if you are in a broken situation or whether you're a parent that comes from a broken home, Pray in the power of God's grace that you can be a catalyst for reconciliation. Uh, Be the parent that you never had. Uh, Children, be a part of God's reconciliation. Be a catalyst to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ within your home. Um, Always attempt in the power of God's saving grace to be a catalyst for reconciliation. And and by all means, if you are right now suffering from that kind of brokenness, seek out a pastor, seek out a a friend who's a Christian, uh, you know, 
seek that sort of help and healing that God is so freely offering to you in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening today. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also look us up on iTunes. Join us next week as Pastor Brett, Pastor Jason, and myself continue our discussion on the fourth commandment.